You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. It's long and This is the capital. We have a real problem with our infancy. So we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 197. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, this is Miles P. McLaughlin. And M is not with us right now because she has to get up early for her big girl job tomorrow morning, but she will be in the main show. Uh, this is episode 197. It's really kind of a part of 196, but the interview ran long, so we're releasing it kind of as a second episode. Miles, who do we have the pleasure of chatting with this evening? We got to hang out with uh, Dr. Star Trek yeah, and Dr. Star Trek is a, as you'll hear when he talks, he has an immense amount of knowledge about the Star Trek franchise and not just about canon stuff, about what's going on in the world of Star Trek, period. So we talked about the state of the fan film, and, you know, I felt like, we've talked fan film before, Miles, but I felt like when Larry talked about it, I kind of got a new level, a new perspective on kind of the influence, the impact, where it all came from, stuff I didn't even think about before. Yeah, Larry did give us a lot of inside information. Yeah, so you're going to hear all that in the next hour. And so if you want to know what's going on in the world of fan films, where did they even come from? What were some of the early ones that you could check out? Just tune in for the next hour as you hear Larry, M, Miles, and I chat about fan films and science fiction, and especially regarding Star Trek. gentlemen we are delighted to have on again a favorite at the sci-fi diner podcast the doctor himself dr star trek mr larry nemerchek larry welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the sci-fi diner podcast hey guys thanks for keeping the diner open for me this is great yeah it's great yeah miles miles would much rather have uh you here talking about star trek than one of our listeners who totally dogged miles (laughs) for liking star trek so i'm just saying (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're coming Absolutely. off of a reading of, of of some of a fan email that started out with Star Trek sucks, and we're 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 having him taken care of. Right, right, okay. right. Yeah. Just just out of curiosity, what was his you know alternative? I mean, what was his big claim to uh, not claim to fame, but what was his big push for? Uh, what Babylon Five, maybe? 
Babylon Five, Farscape. Farscape. Uh, I don't know. Like that. <laughs> no, he, his his argument his argument his argument I think was that of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine was probably the best best of the series, and because it was only one of the many series of Star Trek, it didn't really count, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Okay, well, no one's, you know, got a phaser to his head. I right, mean, right, right, right. Like... <laughs> so, whatever, we'll go on. Um, we're recovering, because you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, so my, 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 Miles is all good now. So, so. <laughs> we'll, more, we'll more than make up for one little email. That's right, that's right, that's right. All right, all right, Miles. So, we're talking about fan films tonight. Some people like them, some people, maybe not so much. But here at the diner, we love the efforts of fans who create a film of something they love. Some of these efforts definitely show that they were made by inexperienced filmmakers with limited budgets. However, they are notable because of the effort they put into them. However, some of these fan films are very professionally done, with skilled writers, directors, CG artists, and any professional actors look just as good at anything Hollywood has produced. Our guest, Larry Nemechek, has been part of such efforts. My first question, Larry, uh, why fan films? What inspires some enthusiastic fans to produce their own work? Well, you know, that's I, that's kind of the the definition of fandom is that what what you get, whether it's you know a comic book or a book or more recently a TV or a movie franchise, whatever you're given is just not enough. Damn it! You know? <laughs> whatever the official canon source is, like I want more. And in the case of you know, it just gets worse and worse the more 3D things got. So you get to the age of TV and and uh, and film. And people just want more, and that's been a Star Trek hallmark. I mean, I, there's a couple of times I said Star Trek kind of invented, you know, we had lit fandom around for a long time, and comics fandom, obviously, but aside from, you know, like, you know, rock bands or something, or individual movie stars, Star Trek is what wrote the book on, on modern media fandom. Right. And then Star Wars, maybe like four or five years right behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the thing about having a TV show, having it that 3D is that the appeal is you feel like you can climb right into your TV, you know, and that universe is right there. So if you're not going to be able to climb through the magic TV, you know, like Narnia or something for sci-fi, and if you're going to, you know, if you want to keep living that, and we've gotten past 1967 and you're not just limited to a, you know, mimeograph fanzine now, if you want to keep recreating that world and making more of it for yourself, damn it, then... 3D is the way to go, and we live in a time now when you know we're all blessed with. You can do a movie on a laptop, and you can do, you know. I mean, we've had costuming was always big, and people built their models, and the people built their props, and this is fan films are just kind of like the culmination of all of that. Yeah, no, you know, scene mean. writing and model building and prop building and costuming slash cosplay. So, you know, and and what's amazing is we kind of go back and think about the the Johnsons brothers, you know, and, and Exeter and all that, but there's people, those eight millimeter movies, people were doing that in the seventies and eighties on film and it was a lot tougher, you know, I mean, right. we, there's a lot of these stories we can get into, but on one hand, it's, it feels fairly recent fan films. The other side, people have been so passionate and driven that they've been, you know, out there blundering around with an eight millimeter brownie movie camera <laughs> wow. and doing stuff. So um. it's just exploded recently, but that that instinct, that passion for people. If they're a fan, then they've got a lot of people have that, you know, itch to scratch, and that's how they do it. Now, Larry, what was? Do you remember the very first fan film that you ever saw? 
Um, I think I saw. I didn't see it, but I remember see, reading about people shooting their own movies, like mm. in the seventies and eighties. I mean, they'd be there'd be little stories in some of the magazines, and sometimes they were pretty obscure. But uh, the, f- I mean, I did a couple myself. Right. <laughs> I did like a little bitty short of myself. I just had somebody come out with the movie camera and me in my uniform and you know like AMT props and did some stuff in college and then we did a parody in college that the world will not see until I'm ready for it to see. <laughs> <laughs> that's a warning so right. I love it to pieces but it's like I didn't realize it was it was so unique now but um, the, the first one I really remembered seeing like we think of now was probably was probably uh, the Johnson brothers in Texas when they did um, that was a big thing Oh, like oh two, two thousand two or so, um, uh, when uh, when the fan film kind of exploded, and then Phase Two, New Voyages, was right on their heels, and and, uh, and then everything kind of exploded after that. Hmm. But uh, but yeah, it was just you know, and those were those were not, and the first so that was not a Kirk Spot McCoy. Shot. They were just doing another. Um, you know, they had uh, I think forget the the character's name, but the Andorian science officer and. And um, oh, the Exeter, yeah, the Exeter, yeah, Exeter, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Johnson Brothers in Texas, and their sets are now owned by my friends in Oklahoma City that have the um, uh, oh, gone blank. Anyway, my guy, uh, the, the um, Starship Studios there in Oklahoma City, right, but, right. Starship uh, Farragut. It's a, it's still a sorry. The Farragut, the Farragut Group. No, the Farragut Group is in Georgia that okay, Star Trek yeah. continues partners with. Right. I'm just they're just gonna shoot me. I wanna say Axanar, but that's um Alec Peters group. Yeah. Um yeah, they're just gonna hate me. <laughs> I have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but but yeah, I it's not like because when the first time I saw that fan, you asked me what I remembered. The first time I did that, we were it was really um uh Kevin Dilmore, one of our writers for Communicator when the magazine was still going came up and said, hey, there's these guys doing a fan film. Let's do a story. And I said, sure. And that was really my first kind of modern sensibility about thinking in fan films that way, hmm. not just, hey, let's go get a camera and run off and do a Star Trek story. Right, kind of right. So that was really my first memory. Hmm. And then after that, it's like, hey, let's you know, let's help everybody out. Let's support everybody as much as we can. Yeah. Em, uh, do you remember a uh, first fan film that you saw? I'll tell you the truth. I mean... Having just recently come out with my nerdness, um, it was – my family accepts me. Everybody loves me. It's fine. Um, it was uh, was not a Star Trek one. It was the – it was Brown Coats Redemption. Okay, yeah. Um, for Firefly. Right. And I've – since then, I've seen a lot of stuff that's been out there, and I've since I just started doing the con circuit – there's some amazing things out there, and I'm in awe of people taking something that they love so much that they want to create that world. I had worked a long time ago for Paramount Park System as a costumer, um, and I did all the Star Trek makeup and got all those guys ready to go out on, on the walks. There would be folks who would come to the park dressed like Star Trek characters and take pictures with our Star Trek characters and... These are the people I'm pretty sure are the ones who are making these really neat films. And I, I, I can't like that enough. That's such yeah. a, a great little outlet and an opportunity to take something you love and push it a little further. If the content's not there, make it yourself. Yeah. That's great. Did you work yeah. at Vegas or, or one of the other parks? 
Um, I worked at Paramount's King's Dominion in beautiful Doswell, Virginia. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I made it out to Vegas for about 24 hours to do some makeup training, and then I got I was sent back to the park. <laughs> yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. I really wish I had gone out there. Uh, yeah. How about Miles? For you, what, what was your first fan film that you remember? Larry mentioned it, and I heard about it through the you know, Star Trek Communicator was, was Starship Exeter. And I was just like, I thought this was the coolest thing. I mean, these people made their own original series episode. It was like, if Gene Roddenberry had the opportunity and the money, Sick. he did his own Star Trek spinoff. That's kind of what it felt like. Well, I can, I before we get any further along, I need to make okay, up to John and JC and all my friends from the city. It's the Ajax. Oh, the that's Ajax. Their, that's their, yeah, they have a sign. It's not a constitution. It's it's uh, one of the, like, Saladin class, one of the Franz Joseph won the sellers okay. that they use. Okay. But, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and they, they uh, inherited or took over all of the uh, Exeter sets, such as they still existed. It's too bad Ex- uh, Exeter wasn't able to finish their, their second episode. There's a group that's actually, um, with cooperation, they're going to film that last act, finally. I think I, I heard that's in motion. Okay. Oh, so that'll be awesome. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. 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 I think uh, my first fan film I remember, I remember this in the late 90s when Troops came out, the the whole mm-hmm. cops, the whole cops and uh, the whole cops rip off of the uh, stormtroopers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> onto you know on Tatooine looking for the droids. I think it was, maybe it was called droids. I don't know, but it was just uh, it had that kind of feel, and they were using the music, and it was fun. It was a fun kind of um, cop spinoff, Star Wars, and that was my first fan film that I probably that I ever saw. Yeah, I think it was called Troops. I think, I think you had it right. Yeah, yeah. So, but. Yeah. But I, it, it, and every once in a while, I still call that one up because it's so fun. It's so fun to watch. But, but, uh, well, there's a lot that I found. I mean, at the time, I wasn't. For one thing, we were so swamped and drowning in in mega Star Trek being cranked out. But uh, you know, when the when the air cleared a little in the mid aughts, I was able to go back and kind of look at that. And um, and yeah, the I guess Star Wars was kind of the breeding ground for modern fan films. But Trek picked it up and and. Uh, Firefly added a lot, and uh, I'm surprised. Somebody was talking one uh, recently about they were surprised there weren't more Doctor Who now that Who has jumped in here since they had their reboot a few years back, and that we don't see more because that'd be fairly easy to pull off production-wise, you'd think. I would think so. Uh, yeah, but uh, let me put one. Since we're on talking about fan films, I have a, a friend, John Hudgens, who who uh, does documentaries, and he just did a, I guess it's about a year ago, did a documentary called backyard blockbusters and it's about the history of fan films and he has some of the ones we've been talking about but he's actually talks about how it's really it goes further back he found a guy that did like his own tarzan movie in the 30s and they <laughs> oh, have the nice. footage and the guys so, and you know it just just really the way we define things now we didn't used to think about things that way but if you look at it in a modern light you go oh okay well yeah that's what that would be and and uh, some some guys that did like a Batman movie in the '60s when Batman when the when the you know ABC TV Batman Bruce Wayne uh, um, you know when the TV Batman was going the campy one right and um, anyway it's just great he's got he's got eight or ten and he's got troops and he's got a Pink Five and um, uh, right Pink Five yeah and uh, and James Colley's New Voyages 
kind of represents Star Trek. But it's it's a really fun uh, look at the whole phenomena too. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's probably on Netflix. Okay, and what and what was that called again? Do you know? Oh, backyard Backyard Blockbusters. Backyard Blockbusters. I'll have to check it out. I it's would got love there. to see those Tarzan ones, like the old Jenny yeah. Weissenmuller ones. Yeah, yeah, and of course it's in black and white because it's in the 30s with his little sound. I mean, he's like you know non-sound movie camera silent. That's uh, fun. Wonderful. Oh, and someone <laughs> did Little Rascals. Um, <laughs> films in the day too, like in the thirties. I was like, really? So, <laughs> you know, it goes to show that people, people, when they get fanatical about anything, and I use that in the most endearing way, you know, they, it doesn't, you know, you, you, you might argue that maybe some of the modern sci-fi roots and fandom, you know, go back to when people were creating their own stories and you still see a, a huge, um, fanfic, uh, uh, right. community out there and and so but as technology certainly has become more accessible and we're able to do these better that the, these fan films have really risen as far as quality goes um yeah and uh i mean unless you had buku bucks earlier on it was really hard to make a good fan film now you can do it for as long as you have the willingness to learn and the willingness to invest in the technology and the time and do a little bit of uh, investing maybe into some of the outfits, you can put together a pretty good outfit, uh, a pretty good fan film with uh, at minimal cost. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can thank the, the whole digital revolution for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you've also got tons of people. You've got, you know, Hollywood, quote unquote, kind of decentralizing and there's a lot of industry going on around the country. So you've got some pros and semi-pros or people in school, you know, training. And, and you've also got a lot of people now seeing the worth of um, digital revolution and what people are doing for work. And people are wanting stuff on a demo reel. And they don't mind. If it's good, it's, if it's good, it's good. Whether it's writing or acting or directing or lighting or CG or, you know, whatever, set construction, whatever it is. Prop work, live effects. And there are a lot of professionals, you know, retirees maybe, or people who are in between jobs and they've got the time to kill. And if it's a passion piece, you know, if it's Star Wars or Trek or whatever, it's a passion piece for them to begin with. They love having – doing some work and throwing it in there because they'll know that they'll have a great piece of film. If they, if they trust the other people involved and they know it's, it's going to you know, not look like shit when they get done with it. But if it's something that they think they can put on their demo reel, they'll do it. And if it's, if it's a young up-and-comer who's just looking for good stuff to have on there, um, you know, and, and in this case, Star Trek is such, you know, Star Trek are still two magic words to so many people. Right. <laughs> and it'll get you in the door and people will like notice it where they might not notice just your indie film or your student project or whatever. But if you see, you know gold blue and red zooming by or you see black and chrome or something or you you know you see whirly nacelle caps or something um it gets people's attention and it's, yeah. even if it's somebody that's looking at you to uh, bring you on you know in some capacity even if it's like an intern or something so anybody's trying to get their foot in the door anywhere and what they love doing professionally hmm. um that's a, that's an attraction that's and that's also why the quality in some of these is why um continues looks so good it's why a lot of the other ones look so good okay well larry please tell us about your experience with being a part of some of the very well-known star trek fan film productions well it's i mean continues has a lot of headlines here now but i was i was actually in the very first um the pilot for uh star trek um it was used to be called well, actually it was called a five-year mission at first not to be confused with the rock band 
And then they called it uh, Star Trek uh, New Voyages and then Phase 2. But their pilot, um, I was a view screen uh, guest actor because they were out shooting in L.A. And back when um, Doug Drexler was involved with them, but, but only as a pen name because they didn't want to get yelled at because uh, Enterprise was still going. They didn't want to get fired from being working on the job. And I was a... I was a teenage alien. I was a teenage. Uh, I was a guest star on the view screen, the, the cranky um, science colony guy in the uh, first episode of uh, New Voyages, and then was back a couple of different times. And, this, and the third time was actually a lost episode, one of the vignettes that came back and was saved and brought in. But I got to be a Tellerite, which is kind of like a little fanboy moment, with excellent makeup, and um, that was that. And then, but you know, even even in and out of all that, I. I through the communicator and then my blog Trekland and everything I always tried to be a supporter for everybody in the group in Oklahoma City talking about trying to get going I was always doing whatever I could to help them along or whatever advice mm-hmm. but then yeah a year ago um, Vic Mignogna came up and said hey had heard that I was a huge McCoy fan and I had some acting experience that was on the rusty side but <laughs> getting it out and oiling it lately and um, said hey come we needed a McCoy on three weeks notice and um can you do this? And I jumped in both feet and uh, had an amazing time, exhausting time, but good exhausting. All those you know, brain muscles I hadn't used in some ways. But other than that, it was uh, McCoy, and it was an amazing group. And, and that first show they did, Pilgrim of Eternity, has, has gotten a lot of accolades. Um, in fact, I, mean, I should say this too. If there's anybody you know, listening in that's a Worldcon goer either last year or this year or plans to go next year if you're a Worldcon member either attending or supporting uh you get to vote for the hugos and we're trying to we're launching a for your consideration campaign to uh have have the pilot pilgrim of eternity from star trek continues be one of the uh five nominees this year so if anybody out there is a Worldcon member or knows someone who is and you're going to vote for the Hugos anyway. I mean, there's lots of the Hugos, but there's the two drama ones. There's long form and short form. And Star Trek Continues Episode 1, Pilgrim of Eternity, would go in the uh, short form category. So, hey, I'll just, I'll just put that out there. Awesome. But if you haven't seen it, take it off. I mean, I'm not saying this just to totally blow smoke. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's pretty well considered to be a new bar for the fan films. I mean, I just hope we can do as well on episode two, which is going to premiere next weekend, and be online. Awesome. But, um, but the first one was just really something magical, and per, you know, fan after fan has told us that, and um, it was kind of magical being involved with it. So uh, they, I'll never get tired of being very proud of that. Are they premiering that at Farpoint? Uh, no, episode two is going to be at, at the Dallas Sci-Fi Expo. Oh, nice. It won't be quite as big. A, they're going to have the premiere and... Um, Vic and Todd Hebercorn, who's Spock, and Chris White, the director, are there, okay. and a few of the crew. But it's not going to be a huge cast effect. Like last year, Phoenix Comic Con was the debut of the pilot, okay. and that was a huge. All right. That the kudos to the convention. They they had, they allowed everybody. They paid for everybody to come in for a day and for a, a night, and um, we had a huge evening that I'll never forget. And fan reaction, and um, it was kind of special. Nice. Well, so, um, so, so yeah, but it'll be on online. It should be on midnight Saturday, this coming Saturday. I don't know how fast you turn your shows around. Uh, so but, probably by the time this airs, it'll be out. Okay. There so. you go. So, uh, yeah, check, come back to com and 
the link will be very obvious then. Probably YouTube and Vimeo both. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Lonnie yeah. is the name of it. Hey, Larry. I um, had a chance to talk with uh, Vic at uh, Shore Leave this past year, and uh, I'll tell <clears throat> I'll tell you I told him. I, I, well, like you said, I think Star Trek continues raised the bar on Star Trek fan films. It, it really felt like a, another original series episode. So I just want to say you all did a fantastic job in, in making Star Trek in, in uh, Pilgrim of Eternity. Well, thanks. I mean, I, that's the reaction that people have said. The common thing, and I heard it Phoenix, it was what kind of every fifth person kept saying, I feel like I'm a kid again, and I just ran home from school to watch Star Trek after school, and I just saw one I'd never seen before. Uh, and it was like, wow. And person after person kept saying that. And, and then I, at one point, I'm like, wait, has anyone under 40 seen our show? <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, there have been a lot of, you know, across the board. So that's been really touching. But there's just an awful lot of people worked on it. It's not, you know, it's not just the cast and the group there that's the Farragut film people that work on their sets there in Kingsland, Georgia are amazing. And, it's a really nice partnership between Continues and Farragut because we're both putting into the physical sets and both of them are getting something out of it. And they're sharing personnel too. So it's just been kind of an amazing um, – it's been a really amazing uh, this this year. And I did two episodes. I'm going to back out and not do any more as McCoy, but I'm going to stay on as a producer. But um, uh, as a kind of a creative producer and advisor on some things. But um, – it is. It's just a really good group, and uh, it's a new bar, but then, you know, I, I keep wondering why. I know there have been some, say, Next Generation, you know, 24th uh, Century fan films, but there's all different ones popping up now. There's, um, And I say this, I don't mean to make fun, but they're, they're, they're popping up like crazy, and, and Axanar is coming along, and, and there are some origins. I think somebody's doing a April-era one, and, and uh, people are kind of doing their own. Of course, Renegades is... Sky Conway's group and, and Tim Russ's directing, speaking of not exactly fans. No. Right. And um, that's kind of a darker, grittier view of, of, you know, they did of Gods and Men as a standalone movie format. And this one's a darker uh, thing. A lot of, we shared a lot of the same staff people with Continues. But um, my friends Lisa and Tim, the incredible makeup people, um, did both. But, um, and that's coming out soon. I know they've shot and it's in post-production, but uh, yeah, uh, well, people are coming. You know, it's it's it. People get reminded that getting from zero to sixty is not always as easy as it seems. You can have a great idea, and even get a decent script put together, but you still got to produce the thing, right? And have it be you know something that you want it to look like, and and that's still something to wrangle. But it's that it seems like not a month goes by before without hearing you know another. Um, without hearing about somebody else getting together to get another idea going. So I just say power to them, you know, the more the merrier. And all the other franchises too. And this kind of ties in with what we've been talking about. As fan films have upped the ante oh, yeah. and, and they become more popular, have fan films, in your opinion, have, had, have they had any influence at all on Hollywood? And I, I think especially in light of the 2009 movie coming back to the screen, was that influence at, at all, with, which was... Um, with what was going on in fandom at the time. Yeah. Well, their choice to go, well, let's back up to Enterprise to start with. When, when New Voyages Phase 2 was was coming out and making headlines for having a million downloads, and and the year that Manny Cota was given the reins to run, to run the last season of Enterprise, even though there wasn't anything they could really do about saving the show, 
but it you know became very famously finally the tie-in to the Kirk era that people were kind of expecting. They just kind of had to do it on the run and, and in a compressed way. But you know, Rick Berman was never he the he didn't he wasn't an original fan. He knew Gene's world from Next Generation onward and had worked there, and and was kind of skeptical about Manny's plans. And he had to finally say, you know, Gene, we just you know, there's just this fan film that just debuted. It's Kirk era, and they've got more. They had they've had more downloads than we have viewers in a week. I mean, which was kind of a sobering fact there when this was all hot and fresh and new and <laughs> exploded on the scene, kind of a thing. And and then you and then you fast forward, you know, and, and then soon after you had Walter Koenig in one, and you had Dorothy Fontana and David Gerald involved, and George Decay's uh, one that that Mark Scott Zickry directed. World Enough in Time was a Hugo nominee that year, and uh, and then you know the the fan films are generally just exploding anyway. But then you fast forward to the decision about we will there will be a Star Trek. What direction is it going to do? We're going to give the keys to, to Abrams here as a movie format. What are you going to do? Well, the the bigger pendulum had kind of gone from you know it's been fun to watch over the last 20 years or so but there was a time there when next gen was at its height and the bubble and all the froth and we're going to launch not just one show but two shows as spin-offs and and there was a kind of an attitude about you know the the original series being old and creaky and 60s and plywood sets and christmas lights and you know mm -hmm. shaky mat lines on the effects and all that and by the end of all the modern shows kind of running their running their way all of a sudden, you know, it was the next gen 24th century that was they were making fun of, which is again unfair to me. They're all books in the, they're all volumes in the encyclopedia. You know, they're all books on the shelf. But when you started getting into the carpet up the walls, you know, uh, ridicule and the counselor on the bridge and all that stuff. Oh, it's so 80s, and the 60s became retro cool again, which is just the way the pendulum is swinging. Hmm. And that's kind of what was setting the stage. And I think that was already driving what. You know, JJ and Orsi Kurtzman and all of them were doing. What were they going to? Well, they wound up eventually setting. Uh, they went back to Kirk, Spock, McCoy, albeit in an alternate universe. Right. But it didn't hurt. In fact, that that Phase Two cast was the highest profile people at the time, and very famously, JJ invited the, their company in, and then two or three, you know, uh, James Colley and um, two or three of the actors from the show got to be extras. On the bridge in Ona in Star Trek 09, kind of as a thank you to helping break the ice with people's, you know, perceptional uh, resistance to the fact of letting anybody else play Kirk Spock McCoy, because you'd had that when Next Generation started. One of the reasons why they didn't recast the show then, and I'm glad they didn't, was because the original cast were still really, was still very viable. They just had done, you know, Star Trek 4. And it just wasn't time yet. But another twenty years or so go by, and it's and it's conceivable now. And that was a there was a very public thank you, basically, to James and the Phase Two web series of the fan film for uh, kind of helping break the ice and getting people's getting the older fans, young kids coming up, having no clue, they don't care, but but having you know the having the rest of established fandom get over the idea of letting someone else play Kirk Spock and McCoy. So, mm. so yeah, so they had an, uh, you know, at least in those, there's two or three ways where they've had an impact. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And just embracing the fact that you can have, you can play fast and loose and, and, um, you know, turn loose and, and, 
and just let people take off and run with it. And it's just kind of limbered people up to thinking outside the box of, you know, just think outside the DVD box <laughs> and, uh, and accept a lot more, a lot more in the franchise to come on like that. Well, you know, um, M M's going to have to jet here in just a little bit, but I, so I wanted to give her a chance. Uh, I wanted to give her a chance just to chat. M, you were a part of a uh, Star Trek audio drama for a while, right? <laughs> Holy cow. You know what gets sent in chat stays in chat. No, um. you don't want me to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a couple of years ago, there's a group called pendant audio and they were putting on, they have a lot, they had a lot of great fiction shows. Um, based on a lot of different genres. And one of them was Star Trek Defiant, which was kind of an offshoot of DS9. And I adored it. I, I got to play a, a Borg that had been saved. But my my absolute favorite part was that I was the Majel Barrett of the show. And really? I I had like 35 minutes of just Majelisms on audio to listen to over <laughs> and over and over again before I sat down and recorded. And it was... It was a wonderful, I mean, it was just a simple audio drama, but a lot of work went into it, and I was just thrilled to be a part of it. I can't even imagine the scale. It's exponential to go from, you know, I'm in my gym jams recording some lines to being on a set and being in costume and being that character. It just must have been, I can't imagine uh, what it was like to to kind of step into that and go, holy crap, we're actually making this. This is great. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're talking about continue. yeah. Oh, and yeah, and I don't ever want to downplay that. I mean, the yeah. morning we had a horrible traffic time. You know, this was a year ago. It was it was just a little over a year ago, middle of January, and we had a bad travel arrival. And um, I was doing this on three weeks' notice and had not put the time into the script. And there were a lot of McCoy scenes. And the first the first sets we shot in were sick bay. But I walked in that first morning, and sickbay was all lit up, and it was just gorgeous. And with, even with little lavender highlights in the bio bed base, you know, and um, <laughs> and I had no idea if they'd how many props we'd have when I got there. And they had just all they had tons of of canon stuff sitting there, and then some other doodaddy stuff that kind of added to it. And the little Leonard McCoy MD sign outside sick bay and i was just like oh my god no i was it was really a it was just an overcome moment and then the, the general joke of everybody everybody you know people we'd get ready to go or people would walk in and go oh my god this is so star trek and that was the phrase and that became the joke of the, you know the first 10 days <laughs> oh my god this is so star trek and then they, that was on our t-shirts and all that kind of thing so yeah yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, no, I don't ever want to forget that that moment as, as much as anything else goes. You know, as you go along and you you don't ever want to get so down pat with everything. You don't remember those 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 kind of moments just to, just blow you out of the water. The first time I got to do surgery and hold hypos and scalpels and things was just oh, a little sterilite field. You know, it was just like amazing and hand off with my nurse and everything. It was just like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well well em if you need to go you you can go and we'll just uh i do i'm really sorry larry it's abs i, I want to stay i want to listen but what i'll do is i'll listen oh. to the episode there, there you go. go there you it go it was great to meet you though em so lovely and, lovely to meet you and, and I i'm hope glad to, to i'm glad so I, I was tickled to hear you worked for uh, paramount parks and um and had your hands in that way i didn't know that i loved it and have a wonderful day here at paramount's king's dominion <laughs> i loved ending every conversation with that it was great 
Hashtag not so much. <laughs> absolutely a pleasure. And I, I look forward to possibly meeting you at a con or just in general. If you're ever in the Washington, D.C. area, just let me know. I will. Yeah. I look forward to that, too. Thanks. Yep, Yay. Absolutely. Have a good night, fellas. All right. Hey, we'll catch you. Good night, Em. Bye. We kind of alluded to this, but um, maybe we can expand upon it more. So what do you think of the future of uh, fan films in general? Of the future. Yeah. Well, um, well, you know, the bar will, you know, the the bar will keep going higher and higher. I mean, it's just inevitable. It's just the evolution of things, and this technology will support that. Unless we have some kind of major legal meltdown, where the world, you know, Lucas ABC or Disney or or Paramount CBS or whatever happens, that you know, the world turns and someone decides to shut all this this awesomeness down. Other than that, um, I, people will just come up with more inventive, crazy, uh, cool ideas, you know. Um, and there's so many aspects. People, you know, you, the prop nerds are out there already. The ship builders and the CGI guys are out there. Out there. The, the nature of reality of fandom today is that all these little groups exist as groups now anyway. You know, all the, sh- all the ship CGI nerds are all comparing posting their pictures on their Facebook pages and groups and, and they're comparing ships and the prop guys are doing that. And the, and the costume, of course the, you know, cosplay and the costume people are doing the same thing. So right. all the different aspects and, and makeup are there. And, and it's almost like writing's been forgotten in the shuffle and writing was what was there to be, you know, to begin with, although it was usually narrative prose, you know, fanfic, not, not scripts, but, all that stuff is synergistic, and those groups are finding each other. So, and then you then you bring in the real world, you know, production talents like editing and shooting and and set construction and all that. And the the hardest thing is just wrangling, just finding a good script to start with, and finding a good reliable group. It's like you know throwing a rock band together in the in the old days. You know, it's just like right. guys get together, but will they survive after a year? You know, right. kind of like the odd couple intro will, you know, or, or drive each other crazy. You know, yeah. will they all hang together? And when you find a group that has chemistry and uh, you have good leadership and things hang together for any certain amount of time, and then you've got the 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 weird thing is, you know, it's almost like be careful what you wish for, Lieutenant. You'll get it if you have a good group and a good get. Then the first one comes out and bang, you're a hit, and now the pressure's on to do another one. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're committed. Done, much less do it well. You know, so. So that's those are all kind of interesting things, and maybe we have a time when people can get one or two or three done, and then they splinter in different groups, you know, reform like amoebas or something. I don't know, but but until then, who can, you know, as long as the as long as the point is the passion, then then um, somewhere in that way, they can't help but get better. Right, right. You know. Well, uh, Miles, is there anything else you want to talk about regarding fan films? I think we pretty well uh, dissected this. No, I think you're right. We covered yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, Larry, which was fun, all by the way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, but, but Larry, beyond fan films and your work with Star Trek continues, there are a lot of other things that have been going on in your world. I mean, recently, right before the holiday seasons, you just released uh, a new book. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Just just to let people know that it, you know it wasn't just a Christmas gift that you could right exactly get. Um, Star Trek Stellar Cartography. It was a, a brainchild that CBS and, and Amazon's 47 North had with Becker Mayer, the book publishers, book packagers. 
And I'd love to do three or four more like this because it's been received so well. But it was way long overdue. And um, ten, ten great, you know, not even just strict by-the-book type maps, but with different aliens, different time periods. And um, it was just a lot of fun to do. And they had a basic idea with it, and I brought a lot to the table. But we basically got to update Jeff Mandel's book from ten years ago that I worked on. I mean, I've told this story many times, but Jeff and I are almost like fated every 10 years to do this dance of the star charts kind of a thing, going back <laughs> when we were kids. And we're halfway across the country from each other <laughs> when long-distance phone calling was expensive and we corresponded by letters. So, you know, on the third or fourth go-around, um, especially building off his 2002 book, the Star Charts book, when he was working on Enterprise, still actually in the art department. But uh, Jeff did one of the maps in this set, and... Um, yeah, every, it's, we, not that they're perfect. There's already, you know, little errors and things goof in, but it's more it's more the scope that you want to do more of. But having said that, this is so overdue, and people have so... It's, it's a little bit like the reaction to Star Trek Continues. It's, people are just, um, you know, the Klingon fans love the Klingon map, and, and uh, the gamers, I think, which I predicted. No one got this at first, but I said, no, the game, especially the ship-to-ship gamers are going to love... The Alpha and the Beta Quadrant map because I think they're the right scale to use for hero click ships or whatever. But um, yeah, I just and, and there was so much even without a lot of new Star Trek coming out in the last ten years, there were things to update. The end of Enterprise and the prime bits of the JJ movies. But um, there was so much to even go back and fix. And I guess the thing I'm proudest of is being able to take some of the things I've been evolving over the years. And actually makes sense of, out of the uh, Dominion War. So the Dominion War map, um, some of the things on the show they didn't have time to really think about, and they just kind of fluffed off, and no one graphically was ever able to do anything with it. We had the time to come up with a couple of theories, and I think most people would would appreciate what I came up with for that. So that was kind of a big big thing for me. That and just smoothing over a lot of little can you know, it's what I like to do with with my writing and my column in the magazine that's gone on for years and years and. Just when I talk to fans at conventions and things is, is, you know, you don't have to get your panties in a wad when there's a canon problem. There's a lot of times you can find strength in two seemingly, you know, obverse points. You can you can actually make everything stronger if you can figure out a way to make things fit in the long run. So there's a lot of that here. And people get the maps and the stellar chartography and they say, oh, this is all maps. It's not it's not a book. It's maps. Well, it is maps, and that's the sexy part of it. But don't underestimate that guidebook because there's an awful lot crammed in there. And um, again, it was the format they wanted to do, but there's just a ton of a ton of things that are woven. A lot of a lot of dots connected yeah. to all the different franchises and things that uh, people may not have even thought of in the same, you know, in the same flash together. So no, I'm pretty proud of it, and yeah. um, it's still out there, still bopping along at 47, right? <laughs> 99. <laughs> And that's uh, that's Amazon. a yeah, not yeah. on Amazon. I think what uh, Miles wasn't Dayton wasn't that one of Dayton Ward's gifts this year that he wanted for Christmas. It is, yeah. yeah. So he had a beautiful, beautiful oh, coffee I think piece. Somebody in the family somewhere got Dayton fixed up with. Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm, I'm sure they. I'm sure they did. Uh, so tell us about your Trekland trunk. Well, that's been that's been kind of something I've been wanting to do for a couple of years because, like, I've got all this. I didn't really collect a lot of stuff. I mean, I had my McCoy things, but um, you know, after after I was a kid fan, um, 
I really didn't just go out and buy a bunch of stuff. But since I've been working in L.A. with the franchise, I've picked up a lot of things. And a lot of things I didn't think about as as collectibles. They were part of my archive. But now that we can scan uh, you know, and photograph and everything so much, I've got set plans and scripts and early draft scripts. And... Um, you know, paste up boards for computer graphics and just an awful lot of, and then googie things like party invitations and and you know crew gifts and that kind of thing. So it's taken up an awful lot of space. So as long as I know I've got the actual information recorded back here digitally, which is a lot easier to keep up with, um, I finally got around to doing something I'd meant to do for a while, and I just have a little. Um, uh, I mastered eBay, and I've got sales, and I just call it the Trekland Trunk. But the main thing to me was I didn't want to be the used car guy hawking stuff all the time in yeah. the middle of all my other things. So I uh, just have a Facebook page and a Twitter account called the Trekland Trunk, and if you come over and you know Facebook it, and then that pops up when we put something new up. And it's not me going, hey, come over and take this. It's uh, just the little Trekland Trunk icon comes up, and you're only hearing about it if you want to. And um, so I kind of like doing it that way. I, right. You know, like I said, I didn't want to be the used car salesman running around fandom. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure people who wanted to see these alternate views of Jane Way or this alternate view of the Defiant, you know, out of the gate or, or something, you know, if I glommed onto it, there was a reason why to begin with. Right. So um, a lot of cool stuff like that or just stuff from working here in the lot, you know, invitations to wrap parties and crew gifts and those kind of things. So. Oh, so yeah. So um, the the my eBay seller name is Trekland Trunk. But if you there's a Facebook page, you can go like call the Trekland Trunk, and if you're there, it'll, and the other thing is, aside from eBay, once a week or so, if it's something a little on the googier side, um, I'll we'll do a live uh, auction on Facebook. I'll just say who all wants in on this, and then we'll go to a group chat, and. Um, and I'll we've had eight, ten, twelve people bidding on stuff, you know, just for like six hours or eight hours or something. So that's kind of been a, and people say they enjoy that a lot more than. <laughs> there's been some kind of like you know odd little uh, role playing going on. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, people, you know, we just kind of made it work, and we still use PayPal and everything. So when pe yeah. people decide somehow they can trust me, so yeah, so it's that's a lot of fun too. Oh, people get into that. They get they get they get into the moment of doing those auctions, and sometimes I think that I think that's what makes eBay work. Sometimes you know, the last second get the bid. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But that's been that's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's you know it makes a little money on the side, but it's getting rid of a lot of bulk that's here yeah. after we moved last year. Yeah, you're, 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 how much I had. Yeah, so. your wife probably appreciates that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a long way to go too. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Miles. So, yeah, so everybody, everybody, look for that. Hey, Larry, can you tell us uh, what's going on with Conrad? Well, that was that was one of the reasons why I made the decision on McCoy with Continues that I did because Conrad took a huge back seat last year. And uh, I want to get that back on the front burner. And uh, we're going to get revved up on um, filming some more. Of course, Connor Rath is my uh, documentary about a, the real-life crazy event from 1982, right after the Wrath of the Con opened. The first big rock show convention that didn't happen. And um, a lot of crazy stories connected to why or why not. And... Um, yeah, we, we did one big film trip last year in March, and I've gotten a couple more people. But I keep having survivors, I call them, the fans that were there. 
keep turning up, and a lot of them are working professionally around Hollywood, which is kind of interesting too. So we're going to get back on that. I'm really – I hate to say this because you never say never because you know it's just a shade tree kind of project or you know kind of a weekender thing. We're not in a big thing, but I, I'm going to start trying to aim the whole thing to um, – you know, coincide with the 50th anniversary in 2016. So I'm going to have to, you know, get a fire under my butt and get going again and uh, and get back on with that, get my editor and my photographer, my DP both. And, um, and uh, you know, I still go to talk to the cons. We still do our fundraisers at the cons, kind of like the Dr. Trek show, really, is what it is, but it's a fundraiser, kind of special on the side. Um, I'm going to get to FedCon this year and um, in Germany, and I'm supposed to be at... Um, uh, Vulcan Away Mission in Tampa Bay, and uh, some of the you know Vegas Trek, of course, and and San Diego Comic Con, and uh, back home at SoonerCon, maybe a few other places, um, Bayou Con in Lake Charles, Louisiana. But anytime I'm at a convention live this year, we'll we'll aside from all the stuff we normally do, I'll do I'll keep doing my little uh, two-hour party, meetup fundraiser parties, usually on Saturday nights somewhere, and. Uh, have a, a real grab bag of stuff for people and it all goes toward the documentary. So, but thank you for That's asking. Yeah. That. It's, yeah. It's awesome. Con of Wrath has been kind of a quiet thing that we're going to pump up again this year and get back on the stick with it. And yeah. Yeah. I think I remember chatting with you about two years ago about Con of Wrath. And yep. so it's been a project yep. that's well, been, uh, just got it going, but I, and I was not under any illusions at the time that yeah. it would be a quickie. Let's do it in four months and pump it out kind of thing. So, yeah, well, uh, and I've liked that because it's let people find their way to us. So, right. you know, I would have probably missed out on a lot of people uh, and some crazy stories, <laughs> crazy yeah. angles of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Larry, is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we uh, wrap up the show here tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did. I, I think I did get to mention about um, just an overall thing. I, and I wanted to say thanks also to everybody that's. Uh, been picking up my Trekland on speaker CDs that I started getting all these uh, archival interviews that I've had over the years. And two years ago, I had the first CD come out. I'm going to, I'm going to eventually offer it over iTunes, but as well, but it's just nice to have a, a CD that I can send to people or autograph it as well, or have it at the conventions. But, um, we still have the first two volumes and I'll have the third one out for, um, for Vegas again this year. And, uh, speaking of Vegas, I, would terrace would shoot me if i didn't mention the our, oh yeah our geek nation tours la to vegas trek tour is happening again we did the first one two years ago so this is if you've ever wanted to go to some of the film sites for trek and even if you've we've had people in socal here that had come with us because they wanted to go as a group and and go places where maybe they couldn't go on their own but if you're going to the vegas trek convention this year guys and you want to tack on a little extra Go over to geeknationtours.com, and my buddy Terrace uh, has a company. He has several tours he offers for gamers and military historians and medieval fans. And uh, But our Star Trek tour that we did have done once, and we're doing the second edition this year, is, is great. We just la- People come to L.A. the week before the Vegas convention, and there's five, six, seven days of going to famous and obscure film sites around town that were all different trek sites and most of them are actually kind of nice tourist places to be anyway too but with the get with the group and we have people from around the world and um you know everything from the the obvious things like vasquez rocks except we have bobby clark from the gore you know the gorn stunt guy who you can see at cons talks about filming um our welcome dinner is going to be at soraka lofton's restaurant so um 
it's uh, you, you can go to the website and and see the tour specifics are all there. And if you go to the Facebook page for Geek Nation and look at the the Trek tour from 2012, you can see a lot of the pictures. I mean, things you don't even think about, like the Q Continuum and. <laughs> and this year we're going to add and go out to Valley of Fire where Kirk died at the end of Generations with Picard. So, oh, that'll be cool. Uh, if we can swing it, if his if his work is free, Mike uh, Westmore is going to go with us and talk about when they shot because he was there was a very small crew when they were out there. It was so hot and they were on those high elevation buttes, and um, so that's another first hand you know first hand uh, point of view coming with us. So yeah, mm. so the the Trek tours. It's a hopping thing, and uh, it's a small group, and it's I'm the leader, and uh, Terrace is there too, and um, we have a lot of fun. The people went on the one in 2012 had a huge blast. So, uh, in fact, a couple of them are a couple of my biggest um, buyers on <laughs> the Trekline truck. So, there you I guess go. They have some faith in me too. Yeah, they do. Uh, it's it's really an amazing thing, and you never know what it's like to go with a, a group like that and the people you meet, and 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 if you go if you're walking into Vegas unfriended. You you are no longer in that situation. You walk in with a, a ton of instant friends. So, so very good people around the world that come in. They don't speak English. Yeah, as a first language, I think it gives them a big uh, a big boost in confidence to come. So it's a lot of fun. So right. I hope everybody you know take it take a look at that. And if not this year, then maybe make a plan. Um, you know, for the next time we offer it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a it's a blast. Um. You mentioned something earlier, and this isn't necessarily related to the whole Star Trek uh, Vegas thing, but something I thought that was important right before we started recording, I thought maybe we can say it here. Um, oh, yeah. uh, we talked about uh, the impact of watching Star Trek and Netflix. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I just – I've been trying to get the word out. I'm overdue to blog about it maybe a little bit, but – I've had some people pointing out to me that, you know, for everybody, I think the world's finally woke up, fandom has finally woke up and realized that, you know, whether the movies are good, bad, indifferent or whatever, people really want a Star Trek series back on in some way, you know, shape or fashion. And one of the best ways to do that, it's like the social metric. It's like, you know, YouTube views or, or Facebook likes. It's, um, and I had this suggested to me. Even if you're not, you know, go ahead and buy the Blu-rays because they're so awesome and the documentaries they're doing are so great. But Netflix is this great, you know, small d democratic equalizer for that's brought Star Trek to so many people, even even not through the JJ movies. And and the ticker that's going with Netflix is good for CBS. It's making an impression on how many people are watching the shows, all the you know, any of the series, and they're all there. Or the movies. But I I've had advice lately about, you know, just let that be your white noise. Watch as much Netflix Star Trek as you can. But even if you're not watching TV, if you're making dinner, if you're on vacation, just let it stay on and run in the background. You know, run it in another room that you're not even in, <laughs> and let that ticker roll, because it makes an impact on on CBS. It makes an impact, and aside from makes the money, but that's the best way to make an impact on somebody, and it makes an impact on Netflix, who, as you know, is like some of these other burgeoning. You know, we're in another revolution here where these guys are are creating original content in their own series. So just, it's just an interesting time. And, and we get closer and closer to the 50th anniversary. There's going to be more and more pressure to do more than just, Oh, have another JJ movie. Right. Cause it's like, if you don't launch or announce a show at the 50th anniversary, like you've, you've blown your biggest marketing opportunity in ages, you know, coming and going. So there's really a lot of people trying to get some maybe up, upper echelon minds, 
lined up in a row here about you've got to have another series and what better time to do it and to get to thinking about is that. And there's nothing that would grease the wheels better than to get right now the way the world is uh, and what we've got to, to play with to do that. Uh, that Netflix ticker mm. is just a great way to make an impression on the powers that be. So, you know, have at it, everybody. Yeah, well, you know, as, I'm, as Em was saying earlier, you, know, you start playing it and they just keep cycling through, continuing, so... Yeah, they've made it easier and easier to do that. Right, right, right. Well, Miles, is there anything uh, else you want to ask Larry before we cut him loose here? I think we covered it. Uh, Larry, it was a great pleasure having you on again and just uh, talking with you and hanging out with you. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thank you. I've got to apologize. I had a touch of the flu last week, and if I've sounded a little fuzzy-headed more than usual here or... Or maybe it didn't sound any different. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can blame it in the night quill. We can blame it in the night quill. So. <laughs> there you go, guys. There, there, no, there. I think, think we, you know, yeah, it's been a crazy year for me and a lot of stuff happening. And I actually have a couple more things to to work on this year coming up. But, uh, uh, yeah, if everybody, you know, go, go like the Facebook page for continues and set your browser dial for midnight this Saturday and Lolani episode two will be on. And, um, uh, go check us out at the tour, and hopefully I'll see everybody, you know, come over to my site, LarryNimichuk.com, and the, the CDs are there and any other surprises. And hopefully this year, somewhere along the way, we'll see see a lot of folks at, at the cons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're still working at getting you to shore leave sometimes. So, yeah. Getting, what was that? I said we're still, we're still working at getting you to shore leave sometime. So. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I've had an invite to shore leave the last two years, but they've bumped up with Vegas. Yeah, they do, and they 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 hit they hit Vegas weekend every time now. So. It's like these last two. Well, yeah, it's like the last two, and every time somebody moves, then somebody else moves. It's gotten it's like uh, bumper car condition. It's gotten crazy. It, it is. Two, it is. But, well, Larry, well, I want to get to Shirley. It's been I only got was there the one time. Yeah. About a decade ago. So yeah, yeah. looking forward to that. We can when we can wrangle it. Yeah. Well, we do appreciate you, as Miles said, for you coming on the show tonight and um, look forward to seeing what what's in store for you in the future and hearing more about your many other projects that are coming down the pike. Oh, guys, thanks a lot. As soon as, as soon as some more cool stuff is happening, we'll um, and it will be. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll give you a yell. All right. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com.